Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Gentlemen's Hour today on Trending. I have a question for you, gentlemen. Would you rather feel loved or respected? I received a fascinating email earlier in the week, and I wanted to talk about it because it touched on this specific topic for men, whether or not respect or love was more important. If you don't know the answer, you will find out in a little bit here on Trending. We'll take a deep dive into that topic. I think it's important for dating, relationships, marriages, uh, and even just if you are raising children, you have young men in your home, it's a very important topic. Um, it's joining me today on Trending is Sal Stefano. He's the founder of Mind Pump, which De- Stefano, sorry. He's a founder of Mind, Mind Pump and international um, fitness guru. He also has a podcast. It's extremely popular. And we're going to be talking about wokeness and the cancel culture, how it's affecting men's ability to be masculine uh, today, which I think is so relevant uh, in this cancel culture, but also after the American Psychological Association, just a handful of years ago, labeled masculinity as toxic and they've really shoved this down the throats of students and universities and college campuses itself themselves have been labeling a lot of uh, the idea of traditional views of just being a man and being in favor of things such as stoicism strength um, the ability and the capacity to protect and fight if necessary as bad and it's all been very fascinating to me, and I want to unpack that more today. We'll also talk about the benefits of having a present father and mother and the joy specifically of fatherhood. And shout out if you are listening in Detroit. We just launched five new radio stations in Detroit. You can listen at Relevant Radio um, to 1030 a.m. there in Detroit, along with four other FM stations in your area. You can learn more about that relevantradio.com. Be sure to tell your friends in Detroit to tune in to Relevant Radio and be sure to download the Relevant Radio app if you don't have it already. And so let's talk about this. The woke culture and the cancel culture has been fascinating to see it unravel, canceling movie star celebrities, but even canceling just men for being men within marriages, within families, um, within institutions, educational institutions, uh, maybe even a coach. It's really interesting to see the breakdown in society today. Joining me to discuss this is Sal Stefano, the founder of Mind Pump. Thanks for joining me today, Sal. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Let's talk about just kind of your, some of your initial thoughts leading into the cancel culture and how it's impacted men in particular. Yeah, it's it's um, it's quite interesting to watch because um, one of the greatest or single predictors 
of a child growing up and engaging in crime or drug addiction or homelessness um, is actually not having a father present in their life. Um, and a lot of the things that they label as toxic masculinity, uh, let's say things like violence um, or over-sexualization, for example, that those things occur um, in, in men that grow up without fathers. So it's actually a lack of masculinity that's the problem, not masculinity itself. So it's very interesting that they're presenting the opposite of uh, what we need to talk about. Yeah, and you highlighted, I mean, you went right to the punch there with the fact that we're seeing that fatherless homes uh, really is at the key of what is happening in the culture leading to any number of issues right now. And we see this. The men who are in the prison system today, uh, in the jails, they can speak to that wound of not having a father, which is why I'm really looking forward to unpacking that theme of the benefit of having both a mother and a father present and the joy for fathers who choose to lean into that lifestyle that men are called to if you father a child of being a present father. Let's take this kind of to the fitness side of things because that's a major part of your background in addition to to being a father as well. Um, let's talk about kind of the tie-in of the cancel culture and even ideas such as fat phobia and how people today um, view the idea of working out for some men as toxic. And I find it interesting, toxic over valuable, kind of emphasizing, you'll hear a lot of people talk about narcissism today. I think it's thrown around too much, but there's also a, a reason for why narcissism is over-discussed. But in a certain respect, this fat phobia culture, I think is part of this argument people have, well, they're just narcissistic. If a man today wants to focus on being fit, even if it's for, if it's for the purpose of feeling healthy, um, looking good, or even protecting, what are your thoughts on the fat phobia kind of debate today? Yeah, this one really hits home because, as you said, this has been uh, what I've done um, for over two and a half decades as a profession. Um, fitness is a phenomenal vehicle for personal growth. Anybody who's been engaged in exercise or sports or fitness for, you know, longer than even a year will tell you, um, it's a great way to become a better person. Uh, you have to learn self-acceptance. I mean, you may enter into a fitness routine because you want to look a particular way, but at some point you have to accept that you look the way you do, you're never going to look like, for example, when I started working out, I wanted to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? He was the hero of, uh, of, the, of the decades I grew up in. <laughs> um, but at some point I had to realize I'm never going to look like him, but I can look like myself. And, you know, you learn how to, um, how to fail at things. Nobody's good at exercises when they first try them. You only get better at them through practice. You learn the difference between good pain and bad pain. You actually develop a great relationship with struggle. You know, when you look at somebody who's been exercising for years and they work out, they feel as much pain, if not more pain in the workout than, let's say, a beginner, but they've changed their relationship to the pain. And, and that has carryover into the rest of their life. And then in terms of fat phobia, I find that very interesting. Um, the only success and this this is spoken from someone who's worked with people for, like I said, over two and a half decades and helped them um, improve their health uh, in mm -hmm. the long term. If when the only successful way or the only truly successful way of doing this forever, right? So not stopping, um, not falling off the wagon, but really adopting a, a lifestyle that improves your health forever. The only way to do that is to do that through self-care, not self-hate. So fat phobia implies that you're phobic of yourself or phobic of fat. 
But the truth is, if you go into it hating your body and hating yourself, exercise mm-hmm. will be a punishment. Mm-hmm. Exercise, uh, excuse me, diet will be a restrictive. At some point, if you want to do this long term, you do it because you care about yourself. It's the opposite of phobia. It's self-care and self-love. And then the data, the data on exercise. In fact, I just talked about this on my podcast. Um, they're actually considering exercise as a first-line treatment for depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's been shown yep. to be as effective or more effective than psychotherapy mm-hmm. and medi- medications uh, right. when it comes to treating those things. So it's, it's, it is interesting that they're attacking fitness in this way because it's one of the best possible things someone can do. And it's a very simple thing. Um, it's not as hard or complex, I would say, as other methods of personal you know, growth and improvement. It's one of the best ways to become a better person. And the, the message that gyms are these unaccepting places is so untrue. It's so terrible. It's one of the most <laughs> accepting places you'll find on earth. Uh, you know, I, I've, right. I've ran gyms and owned gyms for a long time. And an obese person really trying to work out in the gym will be embraced by every buffed, fit, ripped, whoever in mm-hmm. the gym who sees them because they were there themselves at one point. So yeah. um, it's it's a wonderful thing to do for yourself. It makes you the true pursuit of it um, and the long-term pursuit of it makes you a better person, makes you a happier person. Um, and so it's it's something that we should encourage, not discourage. Right? So I find this message not just alarming, but but very sad. Yeah, it's interesting. And I like where you bring up kind of the difference between, and I hate those words self-care today because I think they're thrown around a little too often. Um, But like that respect and ownership of your body, like I want to feel good. I want to have energy. And as you mentioned, the research is so clear. It's the first line in protecting from anxiety and depression or overcoming it. You know, I worked with university students about 10 years ago, and so many of them were struggling with depression and anxiety and suicidality. And it was fascinating to me to see how shocked they were when they'd come back to me because I come from a fitness background as well. And they say, you know, you told me to work out. And that was the first thing the doctor said as well. And the happiness cocktail of exercise is so profound. And we've talked about it here on Trending. I'll link to an episode of that as well as to Sal Stefano's uh, work at Mind Pump and his podcast, because you really do dive into uh, the integrity of exercise and all the benefits that it really gives uh, to a person's body. Now, I want to talk a little bit about maybe some of the superficial side of exercise exercise, how maybe we can have the wrong motivations, but then suddenly we find, hey, we're feeling really good and motivations change. Now, an interesting thing happened over the last couple of months that kind of makes me think of this, Sal. And are you aware of Liver King and the whole drama with regard to the steroids that happened? Yeah, unfortunately, (laughs) I am aware. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a caricature. We're not fans, (laughs) but yes. Okay, for those who don't know, he's been quite a phenomenon on social media. Uh, He calls himself the Liver King. He eats uh <laughs> this caveman diet it really focused a lot on liver and this man is very very ripped and a lot of people respected him because they were led to believe that he wasn't juicing sure enough lo and behold we find out that indeed he's been on steroids there were some emails that were leaked and a lot of people who respected him thinking that there was authenticity um, fully to his body were really upset about that and canceled him. And I thought it was interesting because you have on one side this whole fat phobia culture and then on the other um, we kind of focus in on someone as like a hero in the fitness world and then you find out it's fake and then people quit like okay well I can never attain that on my own so I just shouldn't exercise at all. And I think there's a difficulty in finding a balance between the two. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the whole thing. 
No, I'm so glad you you brought that up. Um, body worship is not the same thing as, as what I'm talking about. First off, looking fit is a side effect. It's not the mm. main effect. Mm -hmm. What's happened is we've worshiped the side effect of being healthy and made that the main effect. So mm -hmm. if you pursue fitness just to look good, you'll sacrifice your health to do so, just like he did. And eventually you'll lose your health, just like he will if he continues down that same path. And then you'll lose the looks that you're looking for. So it's just a kind of ironic um, you know, twist. On the other end, if you pursue this through health and self-care, when I say self-care, I mean the action of self-care, self-love, not the feeling. You don't always feel like you love mm. yourself, mm -hmm. but actually taking actions to care for yourself. If you do so, uh, the side effect of which will be looking healthy. The, the, the reason why we're attracted to a fit and healthy person just visually is because that gives us signals to the person's health and mobility and their fertility. Um, but that's, again, that's the side effect. So if you chase health, you will gain the health and then you will look the part. You will gain a great deal of those aesthetics that you're looking for. And that's the long-term approach. And by the way, worshiping looks and worshiping your body and those aesthetics, even if you get away with it, at some point, you're going to learn a hard lesson. At some point, we all get old. At some point, we all get to that point where you're going to lose some of it. And look, you can see, like you, you see this with Hollywood celebrities who identify so strongly with being beautiful that they they have a tough time aging. Uh, they Lots of plastic surgery, lots of procedures, lots of, it's, and it's, it's very difficult to watch on the outside. And they live in this very strange uh, bubble where their their mm -hmm. health is declined. Their psychological health probably isn't very very good as well. So there is a right way to do this. And if the average person, even if the average person, because most people do enter into fitness looking for an aesthetic uh, goal, right? They want to lose mm -hmm. weight. They want to look better. They want to sculpt something. If you stick with it long enough, though, if you stick with it long enough, you really do learn how to do it the right way because the wrong way doesn't last very long. The wrong way does lead to losing, you know, uh, discipline, losing consistency. In fact, if you poll, you know, 100 people who've been consistently exercising for over 10 years and you ask them to give you the top five reasons why they continue to do it, the way they look probably won't make that top five. What's probably going to be up in that top five is it makes me feel good. Um, it gives me me mental sharpness. It gives me energy. It lifts my mood. You're going to hear a lot of that and a lot, of le a lot less of, I like the way it makes my abs look for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you mentioned kind of the celebrity world and this obsession with the vanity side of it, of looking good, how you present. I was just reading the glamour cover of Paris Hilton, and she explained that she has like a full chunk of her house with all of these major pieces of equipment to maintain her appearance. I just thought that has to be absolutely exhausting and no one can relate to that because I'm sure your spa portion of your house is much larger than my home. <laughs> but what I thought of when you mentioned that was the example kind of of this interesting and intriguing situation that's happened before us over the last eight years. And that is Bruce Jenner. You have a man who has been so successful in terms of the physicality of his body and what he's achieved. And suddenly, eight years ago, he comes out identifying as transgender. And I've always been intrigued by it, but from a fitness perspective, because this is a man who had to have had significant discipline, 
Um, but also lived under the camera's eye, you know, entering into the Kardashian family, all of that. And there had to be this little bit of a crisis between discipline and vanity. And as age started to creep in, there had to have been this difficulty with, you know, no longer riding the same type of high with regard to fitness and trying to figure out where you fit in there. And at a mental health crisis as well, I get a little bit of this gender crisis that he has experienced. Yeah, to me, it feels a lot like um, like body image uh, issues or, uh, you know, I think you could probably put it in a similar category to um, like anorexia, for example, where you 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 just you really reject yourself the way you look um, and you'll go to great lengths, um, uh, even, you know, hurting yourself to change those things. And by the way, um, I don't, you know, the fitness space itself is riddled with this. Um, Mm -hmm. There's probably more body image issues and dysfunctional eating in the fitness space than there is in almost any other uh, space. So I'm I'm very, very, um, you know, I'm experienced with this. I dealt with this myself as a kid uh, growing up with exercise as well, but I had to figure it out and I had to learn kind of how to work through that. Um, Otherwise, I don't think I'd, I'd, I'd be here um, talking the way I do or having the podcast that I have or, or even just having this experience that I have now uh, with fitness. But it's definitely, uh, if you do it the right way, um, it will bring you a tremendous amount of, of joy. And it, it really, what it does is it improves the quality of your entire life because a healthy version, when I say healthy, I mean it in the, in the truest sense, not just physical health, but you know, mental health, spiritual health, but all those things are connected. If you, the healthy version of you is going to handle life's challenges much better. The highs are going to feel much better. The lows are not going to be as low. You're going to be far more resilient. Um, it's just, uh, it, it's a it's a better way to live. And it's unfortunate that it's being attacked um, as something that may be toxic uh, or um, it's something that, you know, it's fat phobic. It really makes me sad because um, there isn't a single person on earth who wouldn't see some just tremendous benefit through pursuing fitness in this way. That's Sal Stefano at mindpumpmedia.com. Again, that's mindpumpmedia. I really appreciate kind of your connection tied to kind of this identity crisis, this body dysmorphia that's happening and body image issues, and because I think that's a huge part of what's happening as we kind of tied it to that gender crisis in a certain respect, this um, confusion about what my body looks like. And I think it's in many ways impacted by social media in a very, very big way. I want to come back talking to you about moral relativism and how that's blurring the lines with regard to masculine virtue versus kind of what vice is or isn't in our culture and talk about the important role of fatherhood. You're joining me during our weekly gentlemen's hour and we're going to come back. I have a question for you gentlemen. Would you rather feel respected or loved? You can answer that now on social media. Just follow me at Timree, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, where I've tagged Sal and posted a link to his website as well. Or you can give me a call. I'd love to hear your thoughts and maybe story on the topic of the need to feel respected versus loved. I'll be right back here on Trending with Timree with Sal Stefano. The Catholic Order of Foresters, the sponsor of our studio line, is hiring today. Several positions are available throughout the U.S. Visit relevantradio.com slash foresters to learn more about how you can find your vocation with COF. An Illinois Life Insurance Society, not licensed in all states. Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory.
on Relevant Radio. Call Timory at 1-888-914-9149. Here's your host, Timory. Hey, shout out. Welcome. Relevant Radio says hello. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. If you're listening in Detroit, Michigan, welcome. Our new radio station, Relevant Radio, 1030 a.m. Went on the air in Detroit this week along with four other 4M stations. FM stations in the area. You can get the complete listening guide at relevantradio.com for your state, Michigan, or wherever you may be. And you can also listen live on our mobile app. Just download it in the App Store, Relevant Radio, and tell your friends in Detroit to tune in to Relevant Radio and to make it part of their Lenten journey. You're listening to our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending. Sal Stefano's with me from Mind Pump Media. He is the fitness guru, not just here in the United States, but really internationally. Um, he's well known for his podcast. You can find him at mindpumpmedia.com and has a fantastic book, The Res- the Resistance Training Revolution, which by the way, one of my producers is a huge fan of Sal. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about what's happening in the cancel culture today. I want to tie this into the importance of fatherhood as we were discussing a little bit earlier, uh, but also talking about it from the perspective of masculine virtue. Um, we live in a culture right now that says you do you. This idea that my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth. Everything is relative to what I believe and think, but more so what I feel. And I think we're blurring the lines in many ways between authentic masculine virtue and relativistic vice. Uh, The American Psychological Association just a handful of years ago labeled masculinity as toxic, specifically pointing to stoicism competitiveness, dominance, and aggressiveness as what is toxic. Now, all of these things, um, and even including aggression, can actually be a good thing if combined with virtue. And so I want to talk to you, Sal, and really get your perspective because you come at this as a father, a husband, and a fitness guru who has worked tremendously with building virtuous discipline, not just in the fitness world for people you work with, but even in their day-to-day lives. So where are your thoughts on this whole crisis right now in the culture with regard to masculine virtue? Yeah, this is, it's, uh, it's, it's really a terrible trend because, uh, well, first off, societies can't function unless we all agree on a, a, a moral kind of framework. I think that's important because humans, and this is obvious, I don't think this needs to be said, but I'll say it anyway, we're really smart <laughs> creatures. And we can reason ourselves to do almost anything. And for anybody who thinks that that's not true, I mean, you can look throughout all history at some of the terrible things that um, certain societies have done and certain people have done and the reasoning behind it. So reason definitely is valuable, but we do need to agree on a strong uh, moral framework. And men in particular need to have structure and discipline because without those things, we're kind of out there and kind of wild. Um, now, part of the things that brings that to us is getting married. Um, you know, a good woman, it said a good woman will turn a boy into a man um, and being fathers because now you're caring for someone other than yourself. So um, it's it's important to have that structure to agree on this kind of moral framework. Um, otherwise, things can't work. And I, I think people know this inherently, but I do think that they 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 get confused because of the whole like, don't judge me. I won't judge you. You do your thing. I'll do my thing um, type of attitude. And I can see kind of where that comes from. Um, I don't think we need to um, impose tyranny on people to force them 
to live particular ways. But I do think that that's different mm -hmm. from um, saying that there is no right or wrong. It's all, you know, based on what you feel. I think that's a that's a very dangerous road to go down. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the fundamental kind of development of men with regard to becoming husbands and fathers, that this is a part of helping to build that right and wrong, that truth, that moral character in a man. Because when I am, you know, in the business world and I am talking to people often, and this is a form of discrimination, right? I, I will pay attention. If someone's wearing a wedding ring, there's a lot that can be said, especially about men in today's culture who are wearing wedding rings often. Uh, there's often a level of commitment and honorability within them um, that they are, you know, building up within their life uh, that speaks volumes often to work ethic today. And yes. I think that it's interesting to see that that stands out so poignantly in today's culture. Yeah. And what's interesting too, Timory, is if you, even if you talk to a bunch of young men, you ask them who they would respect more uh, the man who can, uh, let's say, beat everybody up, who chooses to be violent and do so, or the man who has the capability to do so, but has incredible discipline and restraint. I remember years ago going to a bar uh, with a friend of mine who was a professional uh, mixed martial arts fighter. So this guy literally could beat most people up. And I remember, um, you know, there was a drunk guy that was at the bar that like literally you know, taunted him. And, and threw his drink at my friend and my friend who I knew he's a, like, again, he was a professional fighter. He, he showed incredible restraint and discipline um, and didn't beat the guy up, didn't attack him. And the amount of respect uh, that he earned from me, cause I knew he could do it. You know, it's like if a five-year-old came up to you and did something to you, you know, it, you, you, you wouldn't do something back. It's a five-year-old and you know, you could, you know, hurt them if you wanted to. It, 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 it gave him tremendous respect. The same could be said for if you asked a bunch of young men, you know, if there's a guy over there that could just sleep with any woman, but he decides to be loyal to his one woman, that man will get more respect than the guy that decides to sleep around with a bunch of people. So I think we know this inherently that the the, the man that can, but that has the discipline to mm -hmm. stay on the, the straight and narrow path, um, that's the man that tends to get the respect from other men, from other people. But that mm -hmm. capability is also very important, you know. Um, you also need to be capable. You know, you want your men to be strong. You want your men to be capable of being aggressive. By the way, aggressiveness mm -hmm. isn't just physical aggressiveness and violence. Um, sometimes that may be necessary if you've ever been in a dangerous situation and, you know, you, you want the guy next to you to, to have that capability to protect you, for example. But also aggressiveness is just aggressive aggression towards your goals, Aggress, yes. you know, being yep. aggression towards... Um, things you want to achieve, um, it, you know, you need that level of aggression to accomplish certain things. A lot of things can be really difficult. And if they're not pursued aggressively, they're just not going to happen. So mm -hmm. masculinity is very important. By the way, you know, women also have um, a, some masculinity within them as, as well. Now, it's not quite as important as their femininity. It's not the dominant uh, feature. But when we attack masculinity, we're not just attacking it in men, we're attacking it in everyone. We're attacking yes. these these virtues that are are needed. We need them in society. We need people to protect us. We need structure and discipline. We need stability. You know, these are the things that are are connected to that traditional masculinity. Um, and uh, we, we can't take it down and destroy it. Without those things, um, we lose balance. And without balance, things can really go um, poorly.
I think that's the problem with the American Psychological Association coming out labeling masculinity as toxic. I really loved your explanation of why aggression is good, you know, and how there's a difference between being aggressive towards someone versus being aggressive even toward your goals, and that 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 is actually a virtue of masculinity in a certain respect. But you mentioned, you know, this integrity uh, of a man, you know, a man who has the capacity to just beat the tar out of another individual but restrains himself, uh, who has the ability. Um, to sleep around, like you said, but restrains himself. Now, you know, some people think it's cool to live that lifestyle, but at the end of the day, there's a difference between thinking someone's cool and someone who has integrity and has garnered respect. And I think that's the difference of what we're talking about. You know, you may have this idea of, well, that's who a man is, but if that's who a man is, who do you actually respect when it comes to men? Yes, it's, uh, you know, masculinity is also about self-mastery. And as a boy, this is what you learn from a good father figure is you learn self-mastery. You know, boys have kind of unbridled uh, aggression and they can lash out and they can act a little crazy and, you know, do super crazy risky things. And a good father figure uh, teaches them self-mastery. It's like, okay, son, I know you're really angry and you want to hit something, but you can't always hit something because you got to grow up and you got to maintain yourself a little bit. Um, or, Hey, I know you're scared. Um, we all get scared, but now it's time for you to be brave. Um, so these are all uh, important things to learn as, uh, as boys, this is what makes you a man. And, and, and again, this is even present in women as well. I'm, you know, women have some of these, these traits now, again, it's not their dominant traits, but you know, you, you find me a mother who doesn't all of a sudden become extremely aggressive and protective if you are threatening her child. Right. So, um, these are these are important traits that are that are uh, in all of us that need to be fostered and developed, um, and we're tearing them down. And we're seeing a whole generation of of boys who are being raised without fathers. And what, how do they end up? They end up uh, violent. They end up um, without discipline or structure. They end up unproductive. They don't innovate. Um, they're loose. They become addicted uh, to drugs. Why is that? Well, they're learning how to be masculine through media. They don't have that father figure that teaches them. They watch media. And what does the media glorify? All that toxic masculinity that they talk about that's so bad. It's what you see in media, what you see in music videos, what you see in, in movies. Um, so these boys grow up and they're like, oh, that's what it means uh, to be a man is to, uh, you know, make money, sleep with women, do drugs, party, whatever. Uh, that's not what it means. And a good father will teach you that. I had a question or comment, both that came in. Chris commented, the only reason the MMA fighters had respect for not beating someone up is because he'd proven that he could beat someone up. So the question is, how do men prove themselves in a healthy way um, so that they can show that they have that restraint without necessarily having to go that far, such as an MMA fighter has? Yeah, you got to test yourself. You have to go out and test yourself. It's so I did, uh, I did the reason why I was out with that guy is I did Brazilian Jiu Jitsu for a number of years. Awesome. And it's, it's so interesting because the, the respect and humbleness that it teaches you because you go in there and with Jiu Jitsu, it's full contact grappling. Um, you know, you, you can't have this bravado cause you're going to get, especially when you first get started, you just get, you lose all the time. People tap you out, you know, all the time where they could hurt you. Um, mm -hmm. and so you, you kind of learn to respect violence. You learn mm -hmm. that, oh, people could get hurt. Oh, I could hurt someone else. But you also test yourself and you, that's what gives you that, that confidence uh, that, you know, I, Hey, look, I know what this can turn into. So I'm going to have some restraint here. I'm going to have some 
control and some restraint, you know? So, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's definitely true of the MMA fighter. He, he'd done it so many times that um, he was very confident and calm in that situation. And, and again, when he showed that restraint, the respect he got from everybody around him was just, it was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And two kind of little stories about that. My husband has done Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well. And it was always fascinating to me, like kind of getting to know and appreciate that masculine character that, you know, even if he went and, you know, had a good night versus a bad night on the bad nights, you know, where he was, you know, rolling with people who had a much higher level belt than him. He loved it when he just came up completely yeah. like exhausted being up because it was a challenge and it garnered respect for him and to test his body in that way. And I went, okay. I mean, you're like limping, but okay. Uh, but then on the other side of it, um, the capacity to be able to um, contain a situation uh, for the sake of safety, knowing that he could, knowing that he could take the fight to the ground as jujitsu teaches you uh, to do, I think has always been so fundamental and important. And to have that, you know, and to prove that strength, you know, gives him a good level of confidence as a husband and a father. I know for him, especially, he started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu because he's like, you know, look at what you're saying out there. You don't necessarily say things that keep you safe all the time. Um, and so he wanted to be able to protect while at the same time living in a culture that is very quick to uh, attack men for being protectors. So being able to protect without being lethal. And I think that that was a really important distinction and something that I have really grown to appreciate and admire and respect that that testing that I can, um, I'm going to prove myself, but I'm going to restrain myself at the same time. Yeah, that discipline is, it's so important. It's always been important. I mean, you look at, I mean, every ancient uh, spiritual teaching, uh, of course, you look at, um, you know, the, the Bible and how it teaches us to live. Um, uh, discipline and understanding, that, like, for example, let's just talk about fitness, for example. Um, you know, it's human nature to want to eat anything that's hyper palatable, anything that tastes really good. Um, but what happens when you do, right? You have terrible health, it's actually not enjoyable. Maybe in the moment it is, but then your health declines and you start to feel terrible and, and eventually you, you just live a, a terrible life. So how do we, with, with, with nutrition, for example, it's, it's discipline and structure. It's like, I can eat all those cookies, but I choose not to. And, and by the way, success in fitness or, or nutrition is not saying I can't. It's saying I can, but I don't want to. Um, and that's kind of what we're saying here with in, in regards to being able to protect yourself or be violent, for example, it's discipline, right? It's having that, that discipline. That's a very masculine virtue. And again, you learn that from a good father figure will teach you this. This is really what makes you, you know, a man. I mean, uh, you know, think of a situation where, um, you know, you're, you're in a situation where a man could get up and scream and yell and, you know, just show a bunch of rage, but he's, he decides to stay calm and confident, you know, not cower in fear, but stand calm and confident. Imagine mm -hmm. how other people would view that from the outside. Like, man, look at that guy over there. So controlled. He's confident. He's not scared, but he's, he's able to maintain himself. I mean, versus the guy who just goes crazy and screams or whatever. So um, these are important things that have to be taught, by the way. They, they're not natural to us. This isn't you, you know, your, your nature is much different than, than, than this. But you learn this again through a good through having a good father figure. 
Mm-hmm. Let's tie this into father figures. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. That's Sal Stefano from Mind Pump Media. He's really the top fitness guru out there today, both nationally and internationally. Fantastic book. I highly recommend The Resistance Training Revolution. The no cardio way, hint, hint, no cardio way to burn fat and age-proof your body in only 60 minutes a week. Okay, something if you're in the middle of lunch, still trying to figure out what to do, fitness might be a part of that journey. This is a great book to pick up. So find it at mindpumpmedia.com. Sal, you mentioned fatherhood. Let's talk about some of the benefits of having a present father and how this weighs on so many uh, aspects of life from health and fitness, mental health, uh, to just that moral character that we've been talking about shaping. Yeah, having a a good uh, father figure, you know, first off, it gives a boy um, something to, 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 to look to to say, okay, well, that's, uh, that's what it means to be a man. And for a young girl, it teaches a young girl, um, how she should be treated. Um, how, what it, what safe, um, hugs feel like, you know, like wrestling with your daughters, Mm -hmm. you know, that'll teach your daughter, uh, what it is okay touch and what is not okay touch, what respect is like, how she should be treated by the man that she may end up marrying one day. Um, it's, it makes you feel secure and safe. And it, also, and it also offers the opportunity for balance in the household. You may have your mom might be super empathetic to your needs and, you know, might tell you, oh my gosh, it, you know, it's okay. Let me give you a hug. And dad might come along, give you a hug and say, look, it is okay, but you need to stand up and you need to face uh, this, this, this challenge, right? It offers that balance. Just, as, just like having a mom in the house offers the balance to just, you know, to having a father. So, uh, and, the, and, and again, this isn't just an opinion. This The data is so mm-hmm. clear on this. Mm-hmm. It's crystal clear. One of the greatest predictors of whether or not a child is going to end up uh, growing up in crime or addicted to drugs or homeless is whether or not they grew up without a father. Yeah. Um, so yeah. uh, it's it's the data is, is this. This isn't even debatable. Mm-hmm. And that's so profound what you just said. The number one predictor of poverty and imprisonment is if you come from a fatherless home and you know, I admire so many people who have come from fatherless homes and have fought that upward battle, not perfectly. Right. And with struggles along the way, but you fight, you fight, even in the midst of having had that loss in your heart, in your home. Uh, I, I've seen so many people who work through that. And, you know, especially as people of faith to be able to turn and recognize like God is our father and we can turn to him to help fill that void when that loss of fatherhood uh, has been there. Or maybe perhaps you find yourself in a marriage. I always hear from women when we talk about this who say, I want that. I wish I could offer that to my children. Um, But you know, their father isn't present. Uh, how do I fill that gap? I would love to hear just for maybe those who are asking that question at the same time today. How is that gap filled when that father or a father figure isn't there right now? Yeah, that's a really, really great question, right? So if there's no other family members that can provide that um, that kind of that role, um, sports is actually a really great way to learn some of this. Uh, there's really good coaches out there. And then the structure and discipline that sports um, tends to ask you of you can help fill some of that in. Um, martial arts can do this. A good martial arts yes. instructor and a yep. martial art will do this. Mm-hmm. Um, fitness can do this. You could have a good fitness coach. But uh, organized sport uh, is, is really great. You know, I, I've heard a lot of really uh, positive, interesting stories from young men who grew up in situations like that. But then they played basketball or football or soccer. Um, and they said, you know, um, I didn't have a dad, but 
sports, organized sports, my team, my coach, um, they kind of filled that that gap a little bit for me and really provided me with that discipline and structure to keep me from, you know, drugs or to keep me from doing these other things. That's Sal Stefano here on Trending with Tim Ray. Find him at mindpumpmedia.com. Check out his book, The Resistance Training Revolution. Sal, it's been an awesome conversation. Thanks for joining us here today on Trending. I'll be right back during our weekly Gentleman's Hour, taking your comments as well, gentlemen. I am curious if you have a story or a comment about this. Would you rather feel respected or loved? We'll talk about that in just a moment here on Trending. Today's programming is sponsored by Colby Academy, offering a customized Catholic curriculum. Colby Academy knows the ultimate goal of education is to help our children be saints. More info at relevantradio.com slash Colby. Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending. Would you rather feel respected or loved, gentlemen? It's an interesting topic and an intriguing and eye-opening one for those of us who aren't men. And also for just kind of navigating those relationships you may have with other men as well. An email came in to me from Joe in Florida where he was talking about a lot of advice he hears about relationships and even just the topic about uh, men wanting to ask women out and women not asking men out. He said, I actually disagree, uh, commenting that it's less about who asks who out, but essentially he says what we want, that is men, he said what we want is to be appreciated and respected for what we can provide. That includes women asking us out, but she also needs to make it clear that we men get to buy the dinner. I thought this was an intriguing comment because it's a perspective shift, not just on the whole dating uh, scenario. And I'm not going to get into the who asks who out comment right now. But what I wanted to drill down on was the fact that what he found so important was that women found men um, worthy and valuable, that they had something to provide, that they were actually willing to ask men out, that there was value in that. Uh, So what he's saying men want is to be appreciated and respected. Now, this reminds me of a book I read some years ago by Shanti Feldhahn. I actually did a whole series on this book a while back. It's called For Women Only, and it's what you need to know about the inner lives of men. And the number one thing that's discussed with all this psychological research and, and analysis of men is that the thing that men want most is to be respected, actually even more so than to be loved. Uh, There was one of the pieces of uh, survey data that she pulled, and basically this question came up is, would you rather feel alone and unloved or inadequate and disrespected? 75% of men, that's three out of four men, would rather feel alone and unloved then inadequate and disrespected. Now, what's interesting is that there were a lot of comments made about the specific uh, survey question where a lot of guys said, what's the difference? That should be a huge hint, especially for us women wanting to know a little bit about the inner lives of men. For a lot of guys, there's no difference between respect and love. To be loved means that a man is respected. A man equates the two. 
And if he feels disrespected, he therefore feels unloved. Now, this book by Shanti Feldhahn on For Women Only about the inner lives of men, it's a fascinating book because it talks about the disrespect barometer and how there's a difference between men and women. Women, let's say, in an argument might be more apt to cry and a man might be more apt to lose his temper and become angry. And basically to kind of measure if a woman is feeling loved or not, you know, often when she starts to cry, it's kind of a sign she's feeling unloved. For a man, if he's feeling disrespected, his reaction is to become angry. Now, there's a whole book that talks a lot about this. Dr. Emerson Egrich wrote the book Love and Respect, and he talked about how in a relationship, he says, in a relationship conflict, crying is often, as I said, a woman's response to feeling unloved, and anger is often man's response to feeling disrespected. That's key. Anger is that key point of knowing if a man is feeling disrespected. So I think the key question here is, well, what do we do about it and how do we understand the difference? I think before talking about what to do about this, it's important that we pull back and understand, I think, something really important that was an eye-opener for me. Um, We expect people, especially we should expect this in a marital relationship, that we are loved unconditionally. That yes, we should expect that terrible things don't happen, such as cheating in a relationship, um, but we have this unconditional love that someone The other person can screw up and we still love them. That doesn't change their love for them. The problem, the screw up may need to be addressed, but the love that is held there is not lost. And I've appreciated this even, I remember my husband saying this, you know, even when things are difficult for us, you know, that doesn't change my love for you. Even if there's bickering and disagreements, that does not change how much I love you. It's just a difficult season. And that's very encouraging and reassuring to hear. But on the male side, It's interesting because a lot of women have this attitude toward men that a man must earn her respect and maintain her respect in order for a woman to show that respect or continue to show it. But to men, it's like us us saying that I'm not going to love you unconditionally when we say we will not give that respect unless you prove worthy of it. And so what's important is showing that unconditional respect to a man just as he should show you unconditional love. You should never be told by a man that you have to approve yourself before you will be loved unconditionally. And I think a lot of this goes back to the relationship we have with God, understanding that gift of his absolute faithful, unconditional love. Doesn't mean he doesn't have rules and consequences for those rules, but that that love is unconditional. And that should be a sign, a example for how we are called to show respect toward men in our culture and how important it is. Now, St. Paul actually wrote about this in that very, very infamous chapter of Ephesians chapter 5 that is so controversial at times. I'm always fascinated when this comes up uh, for an opportunity for a priest to preach on this in the balking moments uh, that come up because it is an uncomfortable topic in the 21st century where wives are told to be submissive to their husbands. But I think husbands have the much more challenging job and job and that is that they're told to love their wives as Christ loved the church and lay down their lives for their wives. Why is this all significant? St. Paul knew the challenge of human nature and the challenge of male-female relationships. That women need to be loved by their husbands and that men would have a hard time at times showing that unconditional love. And that women need to show respect toward their husbands and that husbands would struggle if they did not have that respect. 
Now, how do you change that dynamic of the need for respect within a marriage? It's a choice. And I think that's the difficult thing. And I think we see that even in the example given in Ephesians chapter 5. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. Husbands, lay down your lives for your wives. Literally, die for your spouse. It's all a choice. And so how is this done? It's not done unless you make the conscious effort. And in the 21st century, I think it's something that needs to be done intentionally and repetitively because we don't have a lot of examples of a healthy male-female dynamic with regard to unconditional love and unconditional respect. So what are some things that can be done? I love this book by Shanti Felton for women only talking about the inner lives of men. Number one, she talks about the number one need is that a man needs his judgment to be respected. Respecting the knowledge and ideas and opinions and decisions, his judgment essentially is what she refers to this as. And that we don't always have to argue all the time about these points just because we as women might have a perspective that we think might be better or a better way to do things or a better thought or idea that you respect and value the other's thoughts. And you even respect and value the other ways of doing things, Grant, as long as they're morally respectable, right? And we can have those conversations. Sometimes it's a lot harder, though, to show that respect. Now, it's interesting in some of the research done in this book, several men explicitly told Feldhahn that their comrades at work seemed to trust their judgment more than their own wives did. It points to a real concern that many men today actually feel more respected, and therefore that's the equivalent of feeling loved, at work than they do at home. I think that's the mistake that can be made, that we fail to show love through respect in our culture, not just in male-female interactions, but even, for example, respect for what the church is, respect for authority in our culture. I mean, authority is a really difficult topic for many people. Some of the other tips are to respect a man's ability even his need to figure things out. There's this fascinating comment, while, over, while there's this overwhelming impulse for women to ask for help or maybe um, you know, seek out practical help and encourage a man to do so, he's trying to conquer Everest, even in the simplest thing of, I don't know, maybe setting up a crib for a baby or installing a new garbage disposal in a sink. And that, that encouragement from a female needs to be so strong toward the men to help build up that culture of respect. <laughs> 